Good morning. My name is Lynn Kim, and I will be um, doing the scripture reading. We're reading from Galatians 3, 23, and chapter 4, 7. Now before, now, bef- now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offering, offspring, excuse me, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and mangers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of women, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and I was laughing with Josh. It was not our intention to purposely make it Korean Sunday. We're first, and then we got them. It, it's not intentional, y'all. We, we don't play games like that. It just turned out like that. I just wanted to make sure y'all weren't thinking, you know, we trying to tokenize something up here. We don't do that. Um, and so we were laughing about that. Um, with, uh, but we continue in our um, grace-filled sermon series um, as we are guided by the lessons um, found in the Sonship Mentoring course. And you have an insert um, that you received in your bulletin today, and that kind of outlines in broad strokes um, what we hope to see and learn and grow in um, through this sermon series that's going to go probably until February 2020. Um, and so we're going to keep doing that. Well, this letter, um, the, church, the, the church rather, that this letter was written to was in Galatia, give you some background, um, located in modern-day Turkey. And I was surprised to learn, like I didn't know this all this time, that it was called Galatia because it was a settlement of Celts. Yeah. It was uh, Celtic, Gaelic speakers, thus the term Galatia, right? mixed in with Greeks and Jews of the diaspora. But this church um, was losing faith uh, because there were groups in the church seeking to shackle them with religious-based, performance-based Christianity. A performance-based Christianity that would only serve to enslave them again in a way their faith in Christ had already freed them. So their spiritual father, the Apostle Paul, writes this letter, this book of the Bible, to encourage them and now us, those freed from spiritual bondage, 
to not go back, right, to remember and live as those who are no longer slaves, which requires accepting three things this passage will show us this morning, that first, we are held down by the law. Secondly, we are held back by slavery. And finally, we are freed through adoption, held by the law, down by the law, held back by slavery, and freed through adoption. Again, before we get to our first point, again, I pointed out the insert you have um, uh, to look at and kind of glean from as we go through. But I also recommended at our first week, um, which was this past Wednesday, try not to miss it again. Uh, we got one more for this year in December, and we'll have once a month um, on what, what the first Wednesday of every month. We had people sitting around tables and going through discussions. This week, people shared their stories and, you know, little questions we asked about their faith and where they were. And I asked people, raise your hand if you met somebody you hadn't met before. And every single person raised their hand. Um, so this is an, a great time to get to know one another. That's the first thing um, that we want to get from that. But I also recommended that you would read, um, that they would read Galatians, the whole book. Now you're free to read it in our translation, the ESV or NIV or whatever translation you want. I recommended that you read it in the message. It is a paraphrase written by Eugene Peterson, and um, it just helps um, get through it and kind of get the main message of it. But once again, um, this 2,000-year-old letter was written to what appears, again, to be a mix of new believers and old believers wrestling and demanding and not getting along about what made them true Christians and real believers and all the markers of people who they thought were closest to God in their actions and religious practices and beliefs. Some thinking you should be more Jewish in your religion were dominating the discussion. And so like here, we, we see all sorts of, of loaded labels thrown out by Paul. He uses terms like Jew or Greek or slave or free, under a guardian, a.k.a. a foster child, and then son. And he's throwing out these labels to, to straighten out and comb through this tangle and nap of belief and community. Paul levels the proverbial playing field by explaining that we, that's everybody, we're held down by law in two different ways we see here. The law has judged us, but it has not justified us. That the law manages our brokenness, but it does not heal our brokenness. Hear and see these descriptions of who we are without the Lord's intervention in our lives. In verse 23, it says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be, uh, would be revealed. Um, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you were all sons through faith. And then in verse 4 through 5 in chapter 4, it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption and, uh, uh, as sons. What Paul is saying is that our lives without Christ are a case 
right? It's a judgment, a a legal dilemma where we are born into this world, alienated uh, from God as our father, living as spiritual orphans in this world, and who, according to the message of the gospel, have become delinquents, right? And in danger of becoming more delinquent according to the moral laws of God in our hearts and in this Bible. I'm talking about a law, a legal system that judged us and charged us to be sinners, that declared you're a sinner, you're not so good, you're imperfect, and labeled us spiritual vagrants and orphans. Paul is saying here that we are left living as, how could I describe it as, wards of the court, of God's court, in the system, in the nowhere, hear this, in the nowhere and no one of spiritual foster care, in the system of broken sinners. Without redemption, Spiritually, having no parental or or loving, caring for us relationship, we are simply judged and then controlled and imprisoned and held by law, relegated to simply follow and be ruled by a set of rules and judgments and legal determinations. Which is bad for us human beings. Since the Bible teaches us that by nature, we are lawbreakers. In our delinquent without relationship, without spiritual parenting and fathering in this case. I went and looked up ward of the court, a ward of the state. And I say court because the apostle tells us here that our lives before the law of God is judging us and is declaring us juvenile and career delinquent orphans before God in the first few verses of this passage. But this is what a ward is. A ward, well, a ward is a person, usually a minor. Who has a guardian? We saw this word used in this passage. Appointed to, appointed by the court to care for and take responsibility for that person. A governmental agency may take temporary custody of a minor for his or her protection and care if the child is suffering from parental neglect or abuse or has been in trouble with the law. Which means as a ward, as an orphan. Our internal lives are managed, right? And under the judgment of those laws, and does not actually in and of itself place us in real loving relationships with anyone. Being a ward is not the same thing as being parented. It's not the same thing as being known and seen and justified. Galatians says it right here in verse 24. Once again, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Do you see there's a separation between justified by faith and being under the law? You will not find justification. You will not find freedom to be who God calls you to be. You will not find freedom to be loved by God and love God and love others under the laws of someone who is an orphan or a ward of the, of the court. You can't work it well enough. You can't be good enough or religious enough or do all the right things or be merciful and justice-oriented or love everybody good enough or be a good person enough to be from under the judgment of God's perfect law. And it is not designed to work for human beings who are broken like that. It, God's law, God's judgment, God rules for living, just once again manages us. 
It may keep us, and we'll get back to what law plays its role in our lives. But in another sermon, but it may keep us then from deepening our trouble or from being a burden or trouble to ourselves or others. Do not kill, do not steal, do not do this, don't do that. And it kind of helps us kind of keep in line in the society and in our relationship, but it does not work to make us belong to anyone. It doesn't make us be with anyone else or be someone who belongs to someone who can actually change us. Verse 1 and 2 in chapter 4 says this. I mean, that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different than a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Y'all see that word, managers? The law. God's law, like we see in his Bible, Ten Commandments and all that stuff. The moral law, which comes out of that. And by extension, all the rules and laws and the system of life we are under. So many of us are under all kinds of rules and laws, aren't we? Unspoken laws, social laws, rules of acceptance. You know, a good, good Southern person does this or good red-blooded Americans like this. I mean, all kinds of laws. We're working. Like those are the kind of laws that were sort of in place. A true Christian does this. A true, here we go, Bible-believing, evangelical, Jesus-loving Christian, and there's the law. But this is what was going on in Galatians. And that kind of legalism was working against those in the church of Galatians as some first are pushing people to do certain routines and rules and ceremonial and Levitical Old Testament law stuff. Eat this, don't eat this, this unholy food, wear this, not this, be circumcised, don't be circumcised. You had to be this to really be God's. Here's the hard thing. Are you willing to accept that we all do it? (laughs) That we are all tempted to do that? To, here we go, to manage our lives? All of us do it to manage our brokenness. We're honest that things ain't the way they're supposed to be in here. Things ain't the way they're supposed to be out there. So we look for a managing tool for our brokenness and loneliness as those though without spiritual fathering and transcendent identity. Simply as wards and orphans trying to manage their own lives. But Galatians is saying managing your life according to rules and regulations and beating the system and not getting into trouble or avoiding and dodging trouble or looking like you are not trouble. Is not the same thing as having our lives changed by the Lord. What does it mean to live like an orphan or slave, a ward instead of a child of God, when you and I are simply managing things? And that becomes a definition of our lives. Why do we think? Why is the persona of Christianity truly people who know how to manage their brokenness well? We're the moral ones in society. That, again, once again, we're, we're the best people. No, we're not. 
That's a management statement where we are constantly moving from this to that and trying to be good so we are accepted and really not rejected. We are playing the system, right? Whatever system that is. Sometimes it's the religious, I'm okay, church system, pretending you're good and hiding your pain and sin and struggles, lying and hiding and covering up and managing things. And you know what people say? Man, that's a pretty good person. Now the law becomes somehow and is all over the place. Our church ain't the only one, so don't take it personally. Take it corporately, right? We all do it, right? Lying and hiding, covering and managing this. Or maybe it's managing life in such a way for you to be the person, to be a person-pleasing performer, right? And look like you might be the person your parents wanted you to be, right? Or in your own legalistic view of yourself, that you're living by standards and rules that help you manage being a delinquent, broken person. And every time, just like foster care, right? From home to home to home. You got a new guardian, a new foster parent, a new way to be holy. Who's your daddy now, right? Who, who, who's owning you now, right? What new law are you under today? Man, I get a new one every month. Is it how fit you are? Is it how financially sound you are? Is it how smart you are or how social you are or beautiful or holy or committed you are to your belief in a certain way, passing a certain test, having solid theology compared to those folk? Is it jumping through certain religious hoops or how happy you are having a good marriage or having the perfect kids or pairing to at least or being the number one church going person or being church leadership or leading a community group or doing mercy and justice and outreach ministry and on and on. You have to stop and ask yourself, is this a law, a legal system by which I'm hiding and protecting myself from feeling worthless or condemned or feeling lonely or distant from others and God and my feeling of worth? Are we playing the system we are under and relegated to be under? Let me answer answer it for you. Yes, you are. Yes, we are. Yes, I am. And yes, morals and systems and rules and especially God's law and commandments and all that keeps us safe and from further damages and delinquencies. But are you living life just trying to live safe? (laughs) Are you trying to be a safe person? Right? A person who manages the issues of the world well by a law of averages, by not being found or judged, to hide what is wrong. Man, I, I cannot tell you, in my years of being a believer, 35 years, 35 plus, I have spent more of my time trying to fit in to Christian groups than believing and praising the Lord for who I am in Christ Jesus. Right? Like, I felt more pressure and exhaustion trying to fit in under a law of acceptance. And I can't even get to the law of love. Some of us, that stuff starts in campus ministries, don't it? Some of us, it starts 
some small group, some church. It just starts, and then you can't stop because guess what? It is inerrant to us, right? It's in our flesh. It's, it's the way we were born. We were born orphans, and so we were looking for ways to belong and not get in trouble. Y'all know what DWB is, right? Driving while black, right? Okay, Pastor Brown, here we go again. Y'all going to alienate me through the black stuff. No, just as a black man in America, I'm just going to tell you. Y'all figure out your own thing, okay? We're a diverse church. Diversify what I'm saying. Remix it. Remix it. I drive my car. I drive extra safe because I'm afraid. I see some cops. I'm like, whoop. Right? And I feel it in who I am, not just what I do. It's not just breaking the law that scares me because I don't want to break the law, even though I'm trying to get someplace really quickly <laughs> and you in my way. Bad, bad. Right? Of course. Of course I want to text and drive. I'm a busy man. So it's not in that I, I should be breaking the law I, I, or, or I don't break the law or, or I should break the law, but I am afraid of, because of who I am. And this is what the apostle is saying. You're under law, and the law is not working well for you, not because you break the law in and of itself, that's bad too, but because of who you are and how who you are alienates you from the freedom that the law is designed to give you. Simply being and growing as a ward of the law, judge but not truly justify, manage and managing but not really changing will eventually lead us to live as orphans. Second point, who are then relegated to live like slaves. Verse 1 through 3 in chapter 4 says this, I mean that an heir, as long as he is a child, is no different than a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his Father, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Now, there were a number of ways and reasons to be a slave in the first century Roman Greco times. You were born into slavery by parents who were slaves. You were a prisoner of war or you were an orphan or a juvenile delinquent or a criminal. And it was the justified divine right of the state, the law, the government, to make you a slave if you were an alien to the country or stolen away through piracy of a ship or whatever. But common definition, common defining to all of it, like common bottom lines, you have nothing. You and your descendants probably going to be, become nothing more than a slave. And you have no real rights or family or, or guarantee of respectability of belonging. I got this from online. I was studying it. But it says this. But slaves were the lowest class of society. And even freed criminals had more rights. Slaves had no rights at all, in fact, and certainly no legal standing or, or individuality. They were not free to create relations or families, nor could they own property. To all intents and purposes, they were merely the property of a particular owner, just like any other piece of property, a building, a chair, a vase. The only difference is they had a brain and could talk. This is a common theme of the Bible. This is not some, let's get in a discussion about American slavery. This, this is a common theme of the Bible. 
that we all have become slaves or are in danger of living like slaves to sin and Satan and the world and the flesh. Galatians says it this way in verse 3, if we look, in chapter 4. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. You see that phrase, elementary principles? It means the basic things that rule the hearts and lives of people, rules, in addition to the rule, but in addition to the rule following and managing we talked about, it's being enslaved um, to things elementary to what it means to be a fallen human being in this world. We are all enslaved to sin, human brokenness between God and each other. We are all enslaved to Satan, right? The spiritual enemy and forces that are with him. We are all enslaved in danger of being enslaved to the world, the systems and cultures and social and economic and political powers of this world. And we are all in danger and are enslaved to the flesh, our insidious and base, desperate human drive and desires. That we are so separated from God, y'all, in our foster care, as wards of the world, as juvenile elementary criminals before God in that orphan state have now become hardened, right? We've we've been relegated. We've been exposed. We've been made available to be enslaved and bought by something without a father. Get this? Without a spiritual care, without a heritage, without a last name. We have been taken and stolen and given and even given ourselves to be mastered, to be driven, to be worked, to be objectified, to be manipulated, to be chained, to be sold and sold out and losing freedoms and abilities to even say no or yes to something, right? To some system, to some place, to some space, to some of us, to some relationship, to some feeling. Some of us are so goal-oriented, we are slaves to some goal, and it might be for us, we are slaves to a broken past, right? Or slaves to success, or slaves to accomplishment, slaves of feeling free, ironically, or feeling good, or we're slaves to getting relief from exhaustion, we're slaves of pleasure, and we have become slaves of work and money and toxic and controlling obsessive relationships, letting ourselves get abused and used up and being a company woman or a company man or or proving something to the slave master even in our head or performing, or being perfect, and have all kinds of mastering obsessions and addictions. Or slavery to whatever. You know what it does? It's very sad. Takes away any chance of knowing who we really and truly are, and should and can be, in Christ Let me ask you, what is what you are mastered by leaving you? What's it promised you that it's sure to deliver? What's it giving you? What is the inheritance that are you getting from what is truly driving you? And will our children be born into the slavery We are relegated to ourselves. So I ask you, what is your legacy and your heritage right now based on what you're enslaved to? Galatians is saying, naturally, we all have a heritage and legacy and inheritance of one thing, being slaves who are held down by law. That's your natural legacy 
and inheritance. So many of us have not only surrendered the basic rights of our humanity and dignity and had them stolen, we no longer have a chance in and of ourselves for righteousness. You can't escape it, y'all. We don't have the ability to change the slave mentality or spirituality that is inherited in us and inherited by us, and we will pass it along to others. If you're enslaved to something, you will enslave others. I've been to a couple of meetings recently with churches in our presbytery and other churches and ministries who want to be more multi-ethnic. And at two separate meetings, this statement has come out. You just don't know what you don't know. Right? You don't know what you don't know. It's so true. What I read about slavery back then said the slaves were accepted, just accepted it, that they were objects. That was their lot in life, and their mistreatment, managing, and manipulating worth was just what it meant to be them, and it went on and on about it. You know what that comes from? Not having a heritage. Not having an inheritance outside of the law and outside of slavery. Not having a relational reality that gives you worth or an end or new beginning that gives you worth. Do you see the progression here now? If you were held down by law, you're just a ward or orphan spiritually, then you will automatically then be relegated to slave status. How do we escape that? How do we escape being wards and simply orphans who live as and become slaves? Look at verse 23. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, uh, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. And then look at verse uh, 2 in chapter 4. But he is under guardians and managers, talking about the child who's no, no different than a slave, until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary, elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born of the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. These verses are saying that the only way we're delivered from being orphans and freed from slavery is adoption. Adoption. Where we're not just, hear, hear me carefully now, because we get into the legal determination where it's about buying, right? Where, you, where, you, where the paperwork is done. But this is not just being bought by God through Christ, justified by faith. But deeper than that, this passage is conveying that we must be brought to God through Christ. This isn't just the forgiveness of sins and justification talked about in verse 24 where our sins are forgiven and we are free from the record of delinquency and out from under the judgment of the law. That's great. That's awesome. But we are are redeemed from it. But more than that, when you are redeemed from the curse of the law, you are moved away from that life. We are brought 
out of slavery and into a new life. Not just given a second chance at the same life through Jesus, but given and then brought into a new life and new place. Not just legally standing right before God because Jesus has paid the full price and expunged your record before God and forgiving all your sins. Praise God for that. But he has taken you home with him. He has taken you and me into a new life, a new belonging, a new reality, a new kingdom, a new identity, and a new direction. Not because you played the system, but because Jesus paid the price for you and me. Not because you got all your work done, but because on the cross, Jesus told Satan and sin and the world, it is finished. You are done. You are finished your ownership of them. It's not because of never, because you manage your life so perfectly, but because God through his son, Jesus, managed to save you and me out of our fallen condition. It's not because you ran away on a runaway slave, always running and fearing being caught in return, but because Jesus came to you and legally and fully and boldly and publicly bought and brought you out of slavery. But with one very important caveat, not to be in and live according to another foster home situation where you better hide and be good all the time or else not to be enslaved again to another religious master and not even to just be a runaway slave who has to live in now in Jim Crow spirituality, but to be a son. Verse 27 through 29 says this, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now, every designation and label on this list either means you are not included or someone else is not included because you are special in a way they are not. The Bible, God is saying, we are all one in Jesus. There is no limiting or privileged distinction when it comes to what Jesus did for those of us who were all orphans and all slaves and would be without him. But get this. He says, regardless of your worldly label, regardless of your track record, regardless of your secondary labels and identifiers or special treatment or oppression, we are all heirs through Christ who saved us. And back then, that would mean that we all, male and female, slave or free, would have to be declared and made sons in our adoption. Look again at verse 1 through 5. I mean, that an heir, as long as he is a child, is no, no different than a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus didn't come to make us born-again slaves or even born-again men and women. But those born again through him and into sons of God, which means this, those who could actually inherit 
and benefit and bask in the glory and authority and power of their father. Sons has nothing to do with gender here. Did y'all know that? It's a legal term. That means one who sits in the highest place of privilege and standing with him before the father in this world. It means one who could inherit and is an inheritor of everything that the father has for them. In Christ, you are no longer slaves without rights, without hope, without heritage, without inheritance. You are all sons in Christ Jesus. Someone who now, regardless of how people judge you or view you, regardless of all the doubts you have about yourself or how folks treat you, or how good you try to act and tell yourself you are, you are no worse and can get no better outside of this. And Jesus, by faith in and what he did in saving us, sent by God, you and I have adoption as sons. We are brought into and forever part of and in the will of God, never to be expunged or removed, or rejected, or forgotten. But you know what else a son is and has? A standing that gives him access to the highest level of depths of personal real relation with God himself that any human being could ever have. Verse 6 says this, because you are sons, hear this now, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Abba is not a real word, really. It's Mama. It's Papa. Mima. Nana. I call my Aunt Annie. It means God is not just a guardian over and in your life. It means that it's more. Guys, you gotta move here. It's more than official and legal. He's your father. He's your daddy. He's your papa. Which the power and effectiveness of your life is, which means the power and effectiveness of your life is not in performing, but belonging. Not in pandering for attention, but being pampered by God. Not in the rat race, but resting. Not enslaving to please him, but realizing that in Christ he is overjoyed with you. That you are all up in God's face all the time. And it is your place. It is your call. It is your privilege to constantly be all up in God's face, which is the greatest part of all we could ever inherit. God being your daddy just because he wants and loves you. And live. But every way we love and live and think and believe. I mean, I told y'all this before, but when we first had our kids, when Harrison and Clark were toddler age, we'd go home to see my dad and mom at that time, and she was still living. Be like 10, 10, 30, y'all. 
It's meltdown time. And they were at the age where they were crawlers. And y'all know this term, grabbers. Trying to pull up on everything, grabbing everything that could break. And my dad didn't have no child-friendly house. So we were working. We were the guardians, working. We were the law. Stop. And then we were like, can we just enslave them to bed? Right? We, we didn't want them running free. No, too much trouble. Grabbing everything, breaking everything, being by nature, right? Then my dad said, no. I just want to look at him. You just, how many times you told me, get out your face? You don't want to look at me. <laughs> but daddy became granddaddy. <laughs> things breaking, things falling, nice paintings, getting pulled, throw up, poop, just everything. I just want to see them. I don't care what they break. That's y'all job. Y'all take care of them. Don't put them up. I just want them all up in my face. Could you imagine that's a better picture of Christianity? One of the best. God don't want you enslaved. He don't want you thinking that the only way he want to be around you if you don't break nothing. That you're not a child. No. My dad's view is, well, they breaking their own stuff anyway. Y'all ain't getting it. I'm giving it to the kids, grandkids, right? <laughs> Close with this. There's a Negro spiritual called Old Freedom, and I think it's in our new members of the book. And it has these words as its main message. Oh, freedom, oh, freedom, oh, freedom over me. And before I'd be a slave, I'd be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. Oh, freedom. It's a powerful song that communicates that it's better to die in this life and go be with the Lord than be stuck living it as a slave. It spoke to the worth, the worth and, and risking of escaping and being caught and possibly hanged than not be free, to not have an inheritance, to not have full dignity, to not have freedom to have relationship here. Do you know Jesus sang a similar song for us? for our freedom. Jesus became a slave of our broken humanity to seek our freedom. He sold himself into slavery, human slavery, seeking and promised to bring many to freedom, running and living for our freedom to be sons, and who because of that, he was captured. Jesus was run down, lynched, hung up and died on the cross. In his song, I'd rather be hung on a cross and die and buried in a grave than you and me not be free to be sons. So that we could be in Abba's face, Jesus was put down by law, stripped of his inheritance to be in his father's face so that we could no longer be slaves but sons. And y'all know what? I've said a lot today. But it's only the beginning. It's only describing sonship, adoption. 
But the rest of the sermon series, we don't begin to look at the benefits and glory and inheritance and power of what it means to be justified by faith through Christ to be sons. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Begin to work in our lives to free us from being held down by the law, by performance, from just managing our lives. We ain't having no fun. We ain't having no joy. We just managing. Help us, Lord, to be all up in your face this week. Help us, Lord, to be freed, knowing that we have the benefit of you hearing us, not just hearing us. You just, you just like seeing us bad kids. And you call us bad kids, pulling at everything, falling, bumbling, stumbling, breaking your stuff. And you say, I love them. <laughs> they mine. Help us just to bask in that, Lord. Do whatever it takes for us not to be all legalistic this week. Help us to, to just bask in the glory and joys of being adopted as sons. Help us to believe this. For those of us who don't know you, Lord, we may have stayed away because we thought we couldn't be good enough. This is the kingdom of juvenile delinquents who've been bought and brought into adoption. Help us to believe that. Help us to know that. Help us to stop living according to our own laws that we can't even keep. And help us to be kept by you. For us believers who've been walking with you a long time, we all tired, rusty, bored, disappointed, beaten down, Free us, Lord, from discontentment and disappointment. Some of us are in bondage to some really, really difficult things. All of us are. Remind us of our adoption today. Help us even in our bondages and broken change that we still have fetters sometimes on our arms, but we free Help us to walk to you just like that. And let us look into your face and let us see the love of God. Do this through our relationships. Do that through the means of grace right now as we come to this Lord's Supper, as we confess our sins. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.